Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 32 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Johnny FD. I'm with Sam Marks. And this week, I'm really excited. We're going to have on the founder of the popular crowdfunding platform, Indiegogo, that I'm sure everyone here knows about and loves. Uh, his name is going to be Salva Rubin. Yeah, so Salva Rubin is the chief business officer at Indiegogo. And man, this is big news. Like Everybody has been talking about this stuff. Everyone wants to figure out ways to get into startup investing. And the fact that this is for non-accredited investors is really exciting. So when someone that's a powerhouse like Indiegogo gets behind equity crowdfunding, this is big news. So let's just break that down for, for you know, if you guys maybe you didn't catch it. First off, a lot of our listeners have been saying, you know, you guys are interviewing all these cool new platforms, but these are only for accredited investors. So what do we do if we don't have a net worth of a million dollars or we don't have $200,000 in an annual income and we can't get that accreditation? You know, we can't invest in these, you know, cool new types of fintech, what can we do? And here is something that is going to be for everyone. So that's really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And we continue to find new ways for non-accredited investors to invest alongside of institutions and super super net wealth, wealthy individuals. One cool thing that Slava did was he was actually at the White House before the signing of the Jobs Act. And for those of you who are not familiar with the Jobs Act, it's something that we've heard a few times on this podcast now that has enabled startup investing and investing in a little bit riskier assets for non-accredited investors. So he and the Indiegogo team actually went to the White House and sat alongside President, or yeah, still President Obama, uh, soon to be previous President Obama, for the signing of the Jobs Act. So very cool stuff, and they've of course continued to to drive and enable the forward progress of crowdfunding for equity, which is now a real thing. All right. So what that means is basically you guys can start investing in, instead of just, you know, like, let's say you're, you're investing in uh, something that will pay a fixed return, you know, let's say an 8% return. When you invest for equity, that means when they, or if they sell the company for, you know, however uh, X amount of money, then you will have a share, just like you would if you were an angel investor, but you can do this on a much smaller platform. I took a look at it and it's as low as a hundred dollars to, to get in. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the power of Indiegogo versus, you know, you try to get in as a venture capitalist. Right. So similar to some of the other platform CEOs that we've had on and those opportunities that those bring, such as realty shares, where you can invest, although you have to be accredited in realty shares, you can invest in pre-vetted deals. So that's a pretty big word, pre-vetted. Now, obviously, there's a lot more risk investing in startups than in real estate, but these are supposed to be pre-vetted. So there will be a certain amount of due diligence that goes into these deals by the time they get live on the platform. And we're going to hear a lot more about this. We'll make sure we ask Slava a few questions around this this specific topic when we get into the interview. So really excited to have him on and, and hear what he has to say. Yeah, so Indiegogo has always been known as the more flexible platform ver- uh, compared to things like Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And this is really cool that they're adding in this whole new flexibility of being able to invest in, in equity uh, in these startups. So I'm excited to to listen to him and have him on. 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm I'm curious myself. Like, is this going to be a core product of Indiegogo going forward, or is this going to be more supplementary to their traditional crowdfunding for the tobacco product type of campaigns? Because this seems like this seems like an amazing opportunity, right? I mean, everybody we know wants to invest in startups, depending on your risk tolerance, of course. But this is this could be huge. Yeah, and and I I think it's fair to sh- you know say Indiegogo just kicked it to a, a whole nother level. So instead of just you know backing um the you know the cool new toy or something, now you're actually backing a whole new company. So yeah, I guess without further ado, let's have on Slava. All right, guys, welcome back, Slava. Welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it's great to have you on to talk about Indiegogo's recent news. Indiegogo is definitely a household name for our listeners. So lots of anxious people out there curious to know more about how they might be able to participate. And we're hoping to get a little bit of a background. I know a lot of people know Indiegogo, have used Indiegogo in the past. And we're just hoping you could share kind of the founding story for a minute or two uh, as we kick off this episode. Absolutely. So Indiegogo is a marketplace where anybody can raise money for any idea. And we came up with this concept in six. We launched in January 2008. And we've always wanted to be able to do uh, equity as an option, but it wasn't possible because of some rules going back to even as early as the 1930s. So we offered like perks, products, or people can give money as donations. And that's been working really well. We've been growing for the last eight years since we opened in 2008. And we're really excited to now be offering equity crowdfunding. We're just a few weeks old now. And it's uh, going great. So building on top of the core business, which is now sending money every week to over 70 countries, and we're sent over a billion dollars across the world. Just a few weeks ago, now we launched equity crowdfunding with four companies. Already all four have hit their targets, and we're building on that momentum. It's super exciting for everybody on this call as well. I mean, on uh, the podcast as well. Yeah, that's crazy. And the growth has been Ridiculous. So congratulations to you and your whole team. And you mentioned that this was this was part of the founding vision. So when you guys actually launched and got started, was this always a plan for the future? Uh, and if so, was it did you intend it to be kind of your core business uh, that you would kind of segue into? We always wanted to launch right away from day one, but then we learned about the regulatory constraints. The way we see it, there's four reasons why people give money in the world, which is one, They care about the person or the cause. Often that's considered like a donation. Two, they want the stuff. So the perks, the product, uh, like the shoes that are on everybody's feet, often you pay for those things. Three, you want to participate in a movement. Or four, you want to invest. You want to be able to get profit. Give $1 and maybe get $5 back. So that fourth one, investing, was just not an option because of regulatory constraints, but was always part of the vision that we really want to accomplish. So for the first eight years, we did the first three. And now we're super excited to be able to launch equity crowdfunding. We think it's a total game changer. You know, in America alone, over 98% of people are not allowed to invest until something is publicly traded, like through an IPO. So the reason they're not allowed to is because they're not accredited investors, which is another way of saying they're not rich enough. And this really is a game changer for that because it allows anybody, no matter how much your wealth, no no matter how much you make as a salary or how much... Uh, you have as your net worth, uh, you can invest in one of these ideas on Indiegogo, which is super exciting. Total game changer. And was this all enabled through the JOBS Act? Exactly. So the JOBS Act, which was something that we helped push forward, which was then signed in 2012, and we had one of our customers from Indiegogo on stage with President Obama when it was signed, 
it had something called Title III in it, which was one of the six initiatives in the JOBS Act. And that was exactly this, equity crowdfunding. And fast forward, it took four years to have all the regulatory finally sign off and have all the official rules be put in place until earlier this summer, uh, it finally went live in America and Indiegogo uh, just launched a few weeks ago. So yes, this is all part of the JOBS Act. And you know, um, I, I'm just super jazzed about where this is all going. Awesome. You mentioned you guys had, actually, I had read that you were at the White House for the signing of the JOBS Act, or did you guys have other staff there? Yeah, so it was actually, I, I, was, at the, I was at the signing, my two co-founders were with me, and we also had some of our customers at the White House as well, because these were great examples as to why something like the JOBS Act would be super helpful to allow for equity crowdfunding to happen. And um, we actually had Emmy's Organics, which was a small business that sells gluten-free desserts. Uh-huh. They had uh, Samantha from the company on stage, literally with President Obama when he signed the document. Wow. Do you, have, do you guys have photos of that, I guess? Absolutely. Uh, we'll have to track one of those down for the, for the episode show notes. That's a super cool and, and what an honor to be, you know, I, bet, I guess basically a, a spokesman and on behalf of, of, of crowdfunding for equity, uh, the industry as a whole. So awesome that you guys got to participate in that and look where it's getting us now. So really cool. One question that a lot of listeners had is kind of the collaboration that you have with micro ventures. So can you take us a little into how that was created and why it's so exciting? Yeah. So we've been around now uh, since 2008. So like I mentioned, well over eight years, almost nine, and we have our core business that's been growing and we wanted to get into equity crowdfunding. But the way we want to do things is we want to be able to have a lot of experience and really have a great product. And we didn't want to come out slow. So we had to decide how we wanted to enter the market. Will we build all this ourselves? Will we buy something? Will we partner with somebody? And we looked around and we thought that partnering with microventures would be awesome. They've been around for over five years, have done over $100 million of investments already. And over 90% of their deals get funded. We thought they have so much experience with all of the regulatory, the due diligence, the compliance. Uh, these are all things that we were able to figure out on our own if we wanted to, but it would take a little bit more time and we wanted to come out quick. Uh, which is why we were able to partner with them. And it's super exciting because right away, the first four deals we came out with uh, totally buttoned up, got all the exposure, and right away, these things got funded within two weeks. So it's a great start, and we're very happy with the partnership. Wow. Talk about a fast start. That's awesome. And are there limitations now by by U.S. law now that this has been enacted? You mentioned people do not have to be accredited, which is a total game changer. Are there limitations in terms of cap size of the types of investments per investor? So on the investor side, the limitation is uh, based on how much money you do make. But no matter how much you make, you can at least put in uh, $2,000 as a max. And anybody, no matter how much you make, even if you make a lot, the max is $10,000 of investment Mm -hmm. per year. Um, so really now anybody can invest. So the additional that all that additional 98% of America that is unaccredited. Now anybody can invest and it's, uh, the max is at minimum $2,000 or potentially up to $10,000 per year. And how about on the company side or say the startup side, is there, is there limitations in how much money they can raise or what they're, they're able to able to do essentially or offer? So any company can raise, um, as long as they're, have a U.S. entity that the U.S. Uh, domiciled. So we even are working with international companies that have U.S. domiciles. 
It can be a brand new startup that has no revenue. It can be a revenue generating small business. It could be a VC backed company. It could be a big company that already has $20 million of revenue. Any company can do this. The max that they can raise in one year through title three is $1 million right now uh, from unaccredited investors. So the 1 million is a little bit of uh, you know a gate, meaning we wish it was higher, but uh, $1 million is still a great amount. And I imagine in the months and years to come, that will, work, that will be raised up. So you guys have such a huge user base. Do you think there's a particular type of company offering for equity crowdfunding that will be really attractive to your users based on what they've been backing in the past in terms of products? You know, that's a great question. And it's too early to know the answer. That's why we purposely have launched with four very different companies and why we're going to continue experimenting in these early days. So the four companies, one is a hardware company called Play Impossible. Mm -hmm. It is actually a ball which has mobile sensors in it that is connected to your mobile device. So you can really have a lot of more smart data while you're getting to play. So that's a hardware company. Mm -hmm. Then we have a uh, internet software company called BeatStars. BeatStars is a marketplace for beats where a lot of people come up with lyrics, but then they need some uh, music to support mm -hmm. the underneath the lyrics. So they don't want to actually have to come up with those songs. So you go on to BeatStars uh, and actually purchase the beats to support their songs. Another one is a local play. So it's called uh, Republic Restorative which is a distillery. It's the first female-founded distillery, and it's in D.C. Wow. And Yeah, super cool. And the last one is a video game called Crowfall. So these four are very different on purpose, and as we come out with more companies, you'll probably see more diversity because we really want to learn from our investors and our user base what do they like, what do they want to see more of, what are they not as into so that we can really create the best experience possible. The great thing is, these four companies are very different, yet all four have already passed their funding threshold within three weeks. Incredible. And is there something that you guys are particularly looking for when I'm sure you're getting tons of applications of new companies that want to get funded through your platform? Is there anything that you guys are really looking for in terms of, I'm sure, you know, if you let everybody on, the volume would be huge. Is there like a specific vetting process or something that you look for to make sure uh, the offer is appropriate for your guys' user base? So we definitely have to have a due diligence process that's legally required as part of the Title III portal approach. That said, anyone can apply and, you know, they can go on to equity.indiegogo.com and really uh, apply and position themselves, fill out the form. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't tell you all the specifics of our diligence process, but it's really the core things as how anybody would want to know information if they were going to uh, provide money, whether it be a bank, a VC, a government, or any institution. They want to know who's on the team, what's the plan, what's di differentiated about you, how do you make money, how do you acquire customers, uh, what are the ROIs look like, what are the profits look like, what are the cash positions going to be like. So it's really all the core things that a, a typical investment approach would look like. Very cool. How about the user perspective? When a user goes on and wants to get involved and participate in this, is it very similar in terms of the process and the workflow as backing a more traditional Indiegogo uh, product? Or is it, is it totally different? Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. You know, you just look at the uh, campaign page 
and you review all of the information, you then decide whether or not you want to invest. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you'll look at the terms and you'll see, are these terms that I'm interested in? Is this a company that I'm interested in? You could ask questions in the forum and those get answered. And then in regards to investing, you just uh, fill out your information and then you're able to wire the money. And is it the same type of thing as is before where if the round uh, reaches a certain limit, it closes? And if not, then the, the money is not ever vested into the company? Exactly. Great. And so four of four for you guys already. So amazing start. Awesome. Yeah, we're very excited. So for the paperwork and stuff like that, contracts, private investing can be very complicated stuff. Lots of paperwork, lots of attorneys. How does it work investing through Indiegogo? Um, we actually, through our partnership with MicroVentures, it's quite seamless. So a lot of this is just done online and you see all the terms and then the terms of use. And, um, you know, it's really as simple as signing a few documents and off you go. No uh, signing documents and signing, sending them all the way across the world via DHL? Uh, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> I like it. How about once an investment is done through the platform, it's locked up, the deal, the round closes in a sense. How can backers track the progress of the companies? Once you invest, you'll be then be getting quarterly updates through the platform. And then via regulatory, you'll be getting an annual regulatory required update as to how your investments are doing. Very cool. Are there any types of syndicates or anything like that that can be put together now or in the future? Um, it's definitely possible. It's so early that you know we're open to all creativity. But yeah, I mean, we're literally just first month. Right. <laughs> Glad to have you on the show early to tell everyone about it. This is great stuff. And in terms of how Indiegogo sees this as a product offering now and for the future, do you see this as something that becomes more of your core offering on the platform or something that's more supplementary to the more traditional campaigns? At Indiegogo, we always like to push the boundaries in terms of what the customers are looking for and make sure we innovate for them. So this is a great example where we start small and then we keep on building. So the core business is going very well and it's not as if we can, uh, the equity business will be bigger than the core business overnight. So we really just need to learn and see how the customers are engaging and keep building out on that. A great example of that is our in-demand experience. It used to be that we only had campaigns and after 30 or 60 days when your campaign was over, your experience with Indiegogo was over. But we've added the in-demand experience, which allows people to stay on Indiegogo and offer their products after their campaign is done, but before they're ready to sell overnight. And this has been really growing rapidly. We started this as a pilot two years ago, and now it's really become a pillar of Indiegogo. Similarly, equity is brand new, but I do foresee that it'd be growing rapidly and it'd be becoming a pillar as well in the coming years. So guys, you heard it first from Slava, non-accredited investors, welcome to participate. Slava, I think that wraps it up. I know your time is tight and we appreciate you coming on the show and talking to us about this exciting news. We look forward to sharing it with our listeners and definitely staying up to date with everything and how it all evolves for Indiegogo in the future. Perfect. Thanks for having me. If anybody ever has questions, I'm just Slava, S-L-A-V-A at Indiegogo.com. And if they have things they want to do in terms of posting up on the platform, we're happy to explore it. You're the man. Thanks a lot, Slava. Thank you. That was super cool that Slava actually took the time to, to come on Invest Like a Boss and talk about their new equity crowdfunding. I, I think this is awesome. Like Honestly, I, I didn't even hear about it until uh, I knew you were going to have him on. And as soon as I you know started kind of diving in, I was like, this is this is incredible. And, and no wonder you know they had this 
as their idea from the start? Yeah, this stuff is really interesting. And this has been in development for a long time. I don't think they're the absolute first to go to market with this. I think there's other one. I think Micro Ventures is is obviously uh, with someone who's pushing this, and Indiegogo has now done a collaboration with them, which is incredible. And it was really interesting to also further hear about that collaboration and, and why that's in place. But this is this is just like like Slava said, month one. You know, this is this has got a really promising future. I think once everyday investors. And people like ourselves start getting their heads around it and start playing with it. And once a few of those first successes come in, man, everyone's going to be talking about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I do think it's going to be a kind of a, like a longer window just because, you know, as we know, most startups, you know, it's not like you, you get your return, you know, in the first month or even the first year. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes a few years for, for it to get acquired and, and sold. But I think that the potential... Uh, just like any, you know, investing in any startup could be huge. Yeah, and imagine this: every every time that we have some type of platform or or company CEO on, we keep hearing you must be accredited and you must be a U.S. citizen. And here's one that is probably, with some regards, the riskiest type of of, of new investment that we've been considering on the show. And it's open for non-accredited investors. And it's open for foreign investors as long as they comply with the security laws of their own country. So we're talking massive scale potential that this has. Yeah. I mean, I think it's incredible. I mean, I think Indiegogo has like on the normal platform, even before the equity, they've raised over a billion dollars. So I think Mm -hmm. that's going to significantly grow uh, after you know, after this is started up. Uh, And I, I do think it's cool. And I'm really excited that we were able to find this opportunity for our non-US and non-accredited uh, listeners because I, I don't want to leave mm. anyone in the dark uh, even though yeah. I know most kind of like I would say non-traditional types of investing uh, it's always for accredited investors and I mean I, I understand the reason why I mean the re- so if you guys don't understand you guys are just kind of angry <laughs> that most things are incre- you know for accredited investors and it's because you know a lot of kind of non-traditional types of um, investing it it requires a different level of risk and what, yeah. uh, you know, I guess, you know, what the governing bodies don't want you doing is investing something that you might not understand or you can't afford to lose on. Uh, but what I think is cool about the uh, equity is I, th- I think most people, when they invest in something like a startup, they kind of know that it's, it's high risk, high return because, mm-hmm. you know, you hear stories in the, in the new, you know, in the news, like even like, let's say for example, like YouTube before it was required by Google, they were losing like 10 grand a day. And it was just, it's, it's so expensive to host a video, especially back in like 2008, yeah. whatever that was. Right. Uh, and they had two choices. They can either continue to lose 10 grand a, a day, like building new servers and hosting more videos. And back yeah. then the videos on YouTube were trash. You know, people were uploading like the worst, you know, film videos. Nobody was watching it. But as a startup with the vision, they, you know, they thought, okay, as long as we hold on, we will be the video sharing platform. And yeah. they got acquired and now they're worth, you know, what, billions of dollars. Uh, but it was a big risk. Absolutely. I used to work for a startup right out of college. And I can remember we weren't making any money. They had just gone out and hired all these, these Duke and Princeton MBAs had huge overhead. We're talking like $250,000 a month, zero money, zero revenue model, just, you know, an idea. And I was just thinking, you know, this is really risky. And sure enough, business went bankrupt about eight months later. Uh, And 85% of startups fail statistically. So this is really risky stuff. 
but there's obviously huge, huge potential returns. Uh, Johnny and I were talking before this episode, I had the opportunity to invest in a startup three years ago to become equal partner in that startup. If I invested $300,000 today, that company, I can't say the name, is worth $250 million and is about to be acquired. One of the biggest bluffs of all time, one of the biggest investment mess ups. But, you know, I obviously didn't invest in it because I was scared of the total risk and the total loss. Um, but obviously, there's, there's huge returns. So I think as, as this stuff evolves, when Indiegogo can showcase, you know, the first big success, it's going to get a lot of headline news. And I think a lot of people are, are going to start jumping into this stuff. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, definitely wouldn't recommend anyone putting their life savings into any investment, especially in a startup. Uh, you know, like traditionally angel investors are people who, you know, have quite a bit of wealth and they invest a small portion into a bunch of companies in hopes that one of them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, becomes huge and, and is acquired by a big company. Uh, so let, let's actually take a look at some of the offerings that they have now. I remember listening to the episode, uh, Slava mentioned that they launched with four kind of handpicked offers. Uh, I mm-hmm. think it'd be interesting to kind of just go through them and, you know, see if, if that's something that we like or if we would invest in ourselves. Yeah, sure. And if guys, you can follow along, you can go to equity.indiegogo.com. We'll leave a link to that in the show notes. And just to build on what Johnny said about how much you should put in and, and to be careful there is actually that constraint that an, a typical investor can only invest between 2000 and 10000 We'll have to look a little bit further into that, but I believe there's a 10000 a year cap. And I think the 2000 is, you can't put in more than 2000 on any deal with a 10000 a year cap. So there is that little bit of protection. I'm sure there's some, some laissez-faire capitalists out there that say that's, you know, that's bogus and it shouldn't be there, but it is there for your protection, just like why gambling is not allowed all across the USA. It's there for people's protection so they don't destroy the, their lives with, you know, a couple of bets. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, because it's one of those things where if it pays off, it pays off huge. So if anything, it's actually kind of cool that you can invest as low as $100 and the potential payout can be, you know, like it's a pretty significant amount if, if they do you know, end up getting acquired by a big company. Um, I'm actually taking a look right now at just one of the investments. Uh, it looks like... It, they ask you how much money you have in savings now and how much you make per year. And based on that, there's a sliding scale of how much you can invest. So it looks oh, like it wow, goes, okay. yeah, it, it, it looks like a pretty smart system where if you, you know, if you don't have that many, if you don't have any money in savings and you don't make that much, they, you know, they say, well, please, you know, like you're not allowed to invest more than, let's say, a thousand dollars. But I think for me, it, it said I can invest 20,000, which is, which is pretty cool. I'm not. I'm not going to invest twenty thousand, but uh, it is cool knowing <laughs> that it can go up to that high. Yeah, pretty slick UI. I'm look. I'm looking through it as well. Which one are you looking at right now? So let's 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 take a look first at the uh, Art Craft Entertainment Crowfall, which is a massively multiplayer online role playing game, kind of like I, know, I guess uh, World World of Warcraft would be. So when you first go to it, it looks like. I, it looks like you don't have any information at all. It basically has a, a, fo- a static photo, like 
a tiny description and then a button that says invest. At first I was like, who is going to invest in something without any information, without, without a video or sales video or something? But it turns out when you click that button invest, it doesn't automatically like go to a checkout page or anything. That's actually the proper, I would say sales page or promo page. And mm-hmm. interestingly enough, it actually takes you to the micro ventures, uh, site. Uh, mm-hmm. so cause it looks like it's hosted there. It's more just a, um, so it's not actually the sales video and the promo video aren't actually hosted on Indiegogo right now. I think Indiegogo is just kind of presenting the offer for now. Mm-hmm. But I watched uh, the I actually watched the video for the for the for the video game. It's cool. It's it's not like a tiny startup. This is like a a, a big big game. Wow, awesome! I have to take a look at this. You know, one thing that just caught my eye when looking at this page too, Johnny, was. If you look to the left of the video, you see like you see a bunch of tabs and links for media, investment documents, company highlights, perks. There's a few of those that overlap what a traditional Indiegogo campaign would have, but there's a lot of extra stuff like on the investor side and the documents, terms, endnotes, investor discussions, risk factors. And I think this is where the beauty of the collaboration with MicroVentures comes in because when when Slava agreed to come on the show, one of my big questions was you know, why is Indiegogo doing this with micro ventures? And it is, it's just such a different beast that takes so much different expertise and, 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 um, you know, legal and administrative and stuff. So it makes sense. Like you guys take a look at this stuff on your own time, look at the investment documents and some of these things, and you'll just, you'll see it. You're like how, how much more involved this is than a, than a traditional campaign with them. Yep. I can, I can definitely see that. There's a lot you can jump into if, if you wanted to. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I kind of look at it as I kind of, I'm, and, you know, maybe this isn't the best thing in the world, but I'll kind of assume that somebody else has looked at the kind of the details of it. And mm-hmm. if anything, you know, maybe it either wouldn't be on here in the first place or maybe somebody in the comments would be like, oh, you know, you should take a look at this. I mainly yeah. look at it as, is this a product that I think is going to do well? As far as the the, the game, it looks beautiful. Like it, it, like it, it seriously looks like one of the coolest games I've seen in a long time. I don't know that much about these type of games, so I probably want to invest in, in this deal uh, just because... I'm assuming that, you know, games are one of those things where people either, it either like completely takes off or it doesn't. Um, but it's just not something I'm like super passionate about. You know, I, I mm-hmm. the only game I play is like Hearthstone, which is like a card based, um, Blizzard game. Um, so if it was that, maybe I would invest in it, but just because I don't know anything about, about this game, it's, it's, it, it doesn't excite me that much, even though it, it does look like a beautiful game. Yeah. So what's your appetite for this type of stuff, Johnny? Cause, We've never really discussed startup investing with Johnny FD. I'd like to get your opinion on, you know, if, if you would be interested in doing this stuff and, and where it would fit with, you know, in your positions. Like, is it something that you would do to really try to make money or is it something you do just maybe to learn or, or get the experience of, of working with startups, not working with startups, but investing in? Yeah, I don't. I, like it's funny that you bring that up because I don't want to learn or work with a startup, uh, right. but at the same time I wouldn't mind like you know betting some money into a a startup that I think has huge potential. Uh, I don't want to say betting money, but it, it, to me it's kind of like investing a little bit for for the potential of a very 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 big return, uh, mm-hmm. while knowing that there's also potential for zero return or even just, you know, that money just being gone. Um, I, so that, you know, saying that I would not put more than a small percentage of my total net worth into any startup, you know, whether I do it through 
you know, Indiegogo, uh, the, you know, this new platform, or if I did it on my own. Uh, and I, I would say that's actually probably pretty good advice, you know, in general is if you wouldn't, you know, invest, uh, you know, if you would never invest in a startup, period, you know, just because Indiegogo makes it easier now doesn't necessarily, you know, mean you should just jump on board. Uh, but if it's something that you've thought, you know, was like, hey, how cool would it be to be an angel investor? I just don't mm-hmm. have the contacts for it or I, I can't make, you know, make the minimums, you know, uh, now I have an easy way to do it. And I've always been excited about it anyways. Then I think that's that would be great for people. So I'm curious, uh, out of the four right now, which one are you the most excited about? I think I'm a little biased because I invested in a startup in Australia called Black Ops, which we actually had Dan Norris on the podcast way back, uh, almost last summer, uh, to talk about his success and his new brewery. So I invested in that. And it's one of my favorite investments because it is, I'd say it's risk adverse because it's actually, you're building something physical where it's, it's tangible. It's almost like investing to develop a house in a sense, right? They're taking out a lease, they're building an actual microbrewery and a, and a storefront right there. So it's, it's a lot less risky than some of my startup investing. So what immediately came to mind when I was looking at this stuff and when I was talking to Slava on the interview was this uh, Republic Restoratives Distillery, which is the all-female-owned distillery in D.C. I think that's super cool. And for anyone that goes in and takes a look at this stuff, when you look at this, you immediately see a physical asset, a distillery. So just by definition, this is probably going to be the least risky one compared to like a video game operator or if we take a look at some of the other ones. You know, anything in technology inherently is, is going to be a lot more risky than something that's got a physical asset, generally speaking. So when I was looking at this, I thought that was really cool. When he first set, mentioned it on the episode, I thought it was really cool. Uh, and like I said, it's one of my favorite investments because right now Black Ops just turned uh, profitable. They started making money about five months after the investment and they got the whole brewery built. They just turned profitable. And last week they sent out an email saying, Hey, we need to figure out what to do with this quarter's earnings. Do we want to take a dividend or reinvest it into the business? And as an investor, like that, just that's awesome to hear, you know. So I'm I'm probably a little have a little bit of an affinity towards this distillery, but I think it looks really cool. Like it's on a corner, it's beautiful, and there's something about it that just seems like safe and comfortable, and it's cool to be part of, right? Being part of a distillery is awesome. So if I lived in Washington D.C. Uh, where this distillery is, I would absolutely invest in it just so I right. could, you know take dates there and be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm an investor in this. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So you got to take a look at all these things. But if you can invest a hundred dollars into a local distillery that's like downtown DC, cool group of people running it, you can go there, take your dates there, have drinks there. It's a no brainer in my mind because like. So many things that we've invested in, Johnny, with everything you invest in, you get a little bit smarter. You might yeah. not make good investments, but if you're investing to learn, if you're investing $100 to learn and you go there and you and you understand the business better because you've invested in it and you're understanding how the deal flow works and how the communication between the company and yourself works, it's definitely worth it. I mean, you know, in my mind, you should, you should do something like this on a very low level. I'm not saying $10,000, but... A hundred dollars, 
$300 just to learn about how angel investing works. Yeah, I, I can see that as, as, a, as a learning experience. I mean, I think for me, I, I, wouldn't ne- I wouldn't necessarily invest in something just to learn something from it. I, I would do it if I, if I thought it was cool and, I was, and then I'd want to learn regardless. But one thing that people might find cool, uh, which I probably are no interested in, but is their, their toy uh, campaign. It's the Play Impossible Game Ball. Did you, did you take a look at that one? No, I'm still looking at this distillery. <laughs> is it bad? Uh, it's, it's, 10, it's, 10, it's 10 a.m. my time, and I'm looking at a whiskey distillery. That's so funny. Well, if anyone wants to kind of follow along, uh, we'll have a link in the show notes to all four of these deals. But the Game Ball, uh, it looks cool. It, basically, what you do is you, you attach a ball that has a bunch of sensors in it to your smartphone, and you can basically play different games that have it. Almost, I don't want to say augmented reality because you know it's not like you have something over your face, but you're combining tech with an actual ball that you're playing that that sends that data to your phone. Uh, I know, you know, if you guys watch Shark Tank, which is a you know great TV show uh, about investing, uh, Mark Cuban basically said anything with it with tech, he's interested in investing in because he thinks that's the future. Yeah, I agree totally. Uh, as well as our technology funds in vanguard doing quite well this year yeah i do like it uh and then the last one is something called beat stars which is a social marketplace for you know beats basically people can make um beats on their computer or you know mm-hmm. pretty much now there's great software there's like you know beat pads things like that and basically a beat is the the instrumentals, I guess, to to songs. So, like, let's mm-hmm. say you listen to like a hip hop song. The producer might be Dr. Dre making the beats in the background, and then you have a rapper that sings over it. Uh, often, you know, people actually say that it's the the beat makes the song. It it really has less to do with the actual rapper itself or the even the singer, especially with pop songs. Uh, it's really about you know having a great beat. And this company is basically a almost like a, I don't want to say like a SoundCloud, but they are. They are a platform mm-hmm. where it allows you to kind of sample or listen to and buy, you know, you know these beats to use for your own music. Yeah, and one cool thing about this company, which I didn't see immediately when looking at the the highlights of the other company, is this company is making money. I'm sure the other ones are. It looks like the distillery is already open. Uh, we'll have to look into those in more detail, but it looks like. They had revenues in January 16 of about 10,000. And as recently as August 16, their revenues have grown almost threefold to 30,000. So obviously, as an investor, it's just something that is hugely important to, to consider when making the investment. But seeing that they're already generating revenues is a really positive thing. So I didn't tell you this before the call, but uh, while listening to the interview, I got so excited and I started kind of deep diving into this new platform that I actually invested $500 into one of these four ventures. Ah. You and everyone listening to this to guess which one I, inve- I invested in. So oh, I invested man. This is one fun. of the four and I invested $500. Okay. I was actually going to say, um, <laughs> I think we should put off that, like get a thousand dollars together and invest and invest in a bunch of these as like a little invest, like a boss uh, fund. But I'm going to guess that you invested in this one, BeatStars, simply because you seem to have known it really well. And it just seems like a Johnny FD type of investment. Yeah, it definitely is. I think yes. right when I looked at it, 
I, I, I was excited about it. And when I went to their site, I was like, this is cool. I can see this like blowing up. I can see this being a place where producers, you know, or people with a laptop and, you know, and that want to make cool music can go on and mm-hmm. upload their creations and recording industries or other people who want to, you know, want to sing over it can buy it or license it for like quite a bit of money. And I, I think this is the future. I like, I, this is one of those things where I'm like, man, I, I can't believe this didn't exist before. And, you know, there's going to be so many, you know, Dr. Dre's out there, uh, yeah. being able to create from anywhere. I mean, they can literally, you know, all you need is a laptop now. John, you know what this immediately made me think of now that you said that was when we were picking out the beats to go with the podcast intro. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> and the, the more people that are, you know, are creating things, the more like, you know, the, the more things like this you need. And it's, I like how it basically collaborates between, you know, the, the artists and then the producer in a seamless way, you know, and, and that didn't exist before. Cause when we were, you know, finding the intro music for invest like a boss, it's hard. It's, it's hard to find cool beats, you know, and yeah. I'm sure people were out there. Uh, now this is a place where they can very easily host it and say, this is how much it costs. Uh, this is what, what we want for it. This is how much it is to license it or to, to buy it. Yeah. If you look, if you guys look at user traction under this one, they got some really good traction. I mean, I haven't dissected it in heavy detail, but I'm just looking at a chart for their music sales, which I'm sure they just, t- they take a, a commission on and that's grown from 250,000 to looks like it's almost at 2 million now. Uh, track uploads from 25,000 to about 350,000 all this year. So just at a, just at a, uh, sitting here having a coffee, taking a quick browse while talking with Johnny, it looks like they have some pretty, pretty significant growth this last year. I was just trying to take a look at the investment terms to see what the actual investment was. So these, I took a quick browse after the episode. Some of this stuff is, it's not super complicated, but you'd probably, if you're going to make a significant investment, you know, of several thousand dollars, you might want to have an attorney just take a quick, quick glance. So you, so you understand everything in full, but this one looks like investment term security type safe, simplified agreement for future equity. So that to me sounds like it's kind of like a convertible note, which is if they raise more money in the future, then your note would convert to equity at a discount, um, which is really common. I, I could be wrong with that, but that's a really common type of investment with startups. Mm-hmm. But we'll have to take a look at that. Did you, did you read over that stuff before you invested or you just, no. just flying? Honestly, yeah. I, yeah, honestly, I did it. Uh, and the reason for that is first off, you know, it's only 500 bucks. Um, right. It's, you know, it's more of a, a fun investment for you because I, I, I'm very curious to see how this grows. Um, right. And I figure what I like about this being on Indiegogo and especially for this being one of their first four that they're featuring is I'm just assuming that they, you know, they have vetted it for me and for their users already. So it's going to be, you know, decent terms or favorable terms. It's not going to be like, you know, asterisks and, you know, then you, you know, and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's going to be something that's going to be relatively fair. Um, so I, I look at it more like, is this a company that, a product that I believe in? And then I looked a little bit at, is this is this going to be profitable? Can I see them doing well? And, and you know, and then one day being able to, to sell it. And one thing that I actually really liked is the fact that they bootstrapped this business 
And not only is it bringing in revenue already, but their expenses are low. So that is very exciting to me. Yeah, I think that what the narrative that you mentioned with why you invested, I think that's going to be a sweet spot for Indiegogo. People coming in, investing $500, you know, $1,000, similar to how they back other campaigns. It, and Slava mentioned it during the episode. There's four reasons people invest money or spend money. And you know, a lot of it is, like you said, you go on, you see this, it's kind of an emotional thing. You want to be part of this. It's like the distillery. If you're in DC, it's cool to be part of. It's not a life changing decision for you if the company does well or doesn't do well. So I think that's going to be a, a, definitely a sweet spot for these types of things. And like I said earlier, I think it's great experience. You know, you're going to start hearing from this company. You're going to get reports, finance reports, investor reports, how it all works. And you know, you, then you can decide if you want to do more of this stuff in the future. Yep, I like it. And if anyone's uh, curious about how that whole process went, uh, it was pretty easy to sign up. I mean, you know, I had to fill out a couple things. Um, they asked me my income, but it looked like it was fine, even if you're not accredited. So that is nice to, to know that everything yeah. we said earlier is uh, holds true. They actually have perks it's kind of like when you, you know, when you fund, let's say, a, you know, a new microphone or something. But it's funny that, you know, you, you don't like, don't invest $500 to get the free hat and t shirt. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it is cool that, you know, at $500, it unlocks that part of it. And, you know, it worked because when I was trying to decide how much to invest, I was like, should I, should I invest 200 bucks, 300 bucks? I took a look at the perks. I was like, oh, at 500, I get a hat and t shirt. I mean, let me do that. So, you know, yeah. doing something it's right smart. there. It's, it's smart on their part, too, because now they have a, they have a brand ambassador rocking around. Um, that's well known all over Southeast Asia and other parts of the world with, with a with a branded t shirt and hat on. <laughs> yeah, I like it. So I am excited to have added this now to my portfolio. I will put this in the category mm-hmm. of big risk, big returns. Unlike things like my Vanguard, which is going to be kind of the more traditional type investments. Uh, so yeah, it'd be fun just, just mixing it in. So I'm curious about you mentioned the process of actually investing in this. I'm curious about the actual signing of the paperwork because of it, the it start. I spent a lot. Yeah, okay. this was it, all online. Uh, electric signature, uh, electric yeah. bank transfer. So it was, it was easy. Cool. Yeah, the, I just invested in the last the last startup I invested in was also all electronic. But dude, it's exhausting. Like I'm talking, you know, 50 pages that you really need to look through everything. And there's, there's a larger investments. You know, if you're investing $500, you you don't you don't probably don't go through every single detail but that is a huge opportunity for them and in, in this and in bringing more masses into it is making that that whole process more seamless and transparent when- yeah. i mean it, th- i mean this is the future um i actually just got an email from dave steiner who we've got we've had on the on the podcast and i love this guy because he like really cares about my my future uh he, he took the time to break down um my investments and he's like johnny like you know, I have to tell you that you know you you know you're missing out on some, on some possible returns by going through Wealthfront instead <laughs> of going through Vanguard. And I said to him, you know, I was gonna, I replied to him, I was like, you know what, I I know, which is why I'm not putting more money into Wealthfront right now, but I'm using it for my my SEP IRA because I can't open an account with Vanguard online. I have to like you know mail in a million things and like cancel checks and stuff, which I don't have. And then I tried it again with Schaub and it was the same thing. You have to mail all the stuff in. So I think that's a huge, you know, 
reason why we like these new companies and, and these new online platforms is just because it makes it so much easier. You know, like even though it it, it they charged me ten dollars to make that five hundred dollar investment through uh, through Indiegogo, it is worth it because I don't if I can save ten dollars and have to physically mail a bunch of stuff in, I, I wouldn't. Yeah. Do it. I'd rather Forget just pay about the 10 it. bucks. Yeah, agree totally. And if you guys want to have access to David, we have lots of great previous guests in the Boss Lounge on Facebook that are in there always giving their advice and interacting. People like David and other people that have been on the episode and other just really, really smart people that are always in there sharing their two cents. It's a great group. So be sure to join that, guys. Yeah. And if you want access, go ahead and go to investlikeaboss.com, click on bonus. And if you send for an email list, you will get a personal invite to join the lounge. So I want to give a quick shout out now that we've ended this episode to uh, everyone who's been leaving these great five-star reviews of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. You guys rock and you guys are the reason why we continue to be able to get these amazing you know, uh, founders and CEOs of these huge companies uh, on the show. So thank you for not only for sharing it with all your friends, uh, but also for leaving these views so they can see these big companies can see wow you know people love the podcast let you know let us take some of our time to come on so uh this week let's give a shout out to enrico discolo he says five stars brilliant and inspiring johnny and sam are able to teach you with without realizing it sharing their experience and insights on how to best manage and invest your hard-earned cash. Honestly recommend, especially if you are like me in your early 20s and want to economically start off on the right foot. Cheers. Great stuff. And I also want to just give a quick shout out to Slava, if he's listening, and the Indiegogo team for agreeing to come on and share this really exciting news. I really think this is this is. It's it's game-changing and groundbreaking news. It's just in its infancy, but we're really excited to see how this evolves across all countries and all borders and where it will be in, in the years ahead is pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, and definitely this podcast isn't just for people in the 20s. Uh, I'm now mid-30s, but this is advice <laughs> I, I did wish I would have gotten uh, when I was in my 20s. So shout out to everyone who is listening young. Make those investments now. Indeed. So guys... Pay, judge, pay. <laughs> Join us next week for another great episode coming up. We, again, have an awesome lineup for the end of December and January, and we're looking forward to wrapping up year one of the Invest Like a Boss podcast with everyone out there listening. Peace out. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.